Boundaries define us. They define what is me and what is not me. A boundary shows me where I end and where someone else begins, leading me to a sense of ownership. Henry Cloud. Bending Not Breaking. The Dragon Prince Edition. Book Two, Episode Nine. Breathe. Welcome back! Can you believe it? It is already the end of Book 2, Sky of the Dragon Prince. We've had an incredible journey this season. We've had a chance to learn from Jason Simpson and Jesse Enochalia, and I'm grateful that we've had this time together. We are getting close to the beginning of our recording process for The Legend of Korra Book 2, but we aren't quite there yet. So after today's episode, we'll have a Dragon Prince Book 2 sacred practice episode, which I'm very excited about, and that will be with a friend of mine from Divinity School. And then we will dive back into some mini episodes from the comics, maybe a one-off on some other source of media, until we're ready to provide you with more seasons of Korra. Thank you for learning with us and for your grace and support as we prepare to give you the best that we can offer uh, considering all of our circumstances and starting school and moving and jobs and all of those things that we're, that we're grappling with. So thank you so much for your support. If these episodes have been exciting for you, doing something other than Avatar, uh, just consider reviewing the podcast. Tell your friends about it. If, you're, if you feel so compelled, we welcome your support on Patreon. And you can find us on all of those things uh, at bnb underscore pod. And we'd love to have your support, and we always welcome you just simply listening to the podcast, because that is all we can ask. Today, for our season finale, we will be discussing the lens of boundaries. And so I kind of want to start with a story about the lens, and I, I really am going to get a little vulnerable with y'all and, and tell you a story about my first love and the repercussions of that. I fell in love with my first real significant other over AOL Instant Messenger. And I know that that dates me for many of our listeners, but you know what? Uh, that's okay. AIM was the vehicle that allowed me to, to talk to her. And stealing moments, staring at the screen, waiting for her to respond to my messages... That was the life, and I remember asking her to take a walk with me at the Eno River, and we ended up taking too long <laughs> on our walk, and we, we waited at the halfway point just to, to talk, and once we realized the time, we ended up having to run back. It was about a mile and a half, but we when we were just about to the car, she yanked on my sleeve and pulled me back in for our first kiss, and... I was in that mental space where invincibility was the only thing I could comprehend. I, I was euphoric and alas, so it goes. And when she broke up with me for what I still don't understand for no apparent reason, about nine months later, I felt devastated 
I felt betrayed. I had never hurt quite like that before. It felt like my very core had been gutted. So, naturally, my mind began to protect me, and I went into this protection mode, and I I have people that can vouch for this, but I literally didn't cry for seven years after that. And my friends jokingly called me a robot, and like I had erected such impenetrable boundaries for all of my relationships that I, I, I shut everyone out. I wasn't willing to experience anything. I just shut down. And even after that seven-year mark, I, I have been really hesitant and resistant to vulnerability and relationships and, and leaning into discomfort or, or really any situation in which I could imagine experiencing that kind of hurt again, which is probably honestly why I latched onto Brene Brown's work so much. She has been writing about many of the things that I needed to experience in order to become me again. So I, I tell this story because I want to grapple with boundaries in this episode of The Dragon Prince. And when and how do boundaries serve us well and when do they not? And so here we go. Let's dive into the episode, shall we? All right. So the first things first, we know how this works by now. We have to recap the episode and I am going to recap Season uh, two, book two, episode nine. Here we go. Breathe. <gasps> Claudia grovels to Ezrin and he trusts her. And then Viren threatens Ervos and he gets hooked. And Claude's comforts Ez by sharing a bit about her mom. And they both cry. And then Callum is still in his dream and he's drowning, connected with the Sky Arcanium. And then Rayla almost confesses her love. And then Ezrin leads Claudia to milk fruit and she gets Nagadir and she sends him away. And then Callum realizes he's connected to the world by a sky. And then Corvus and Ez return. And then Callum and Ez cry. And then Claudia and Soren, you know, white streak. Yeah, Ezrin decides to go home, be king with Corvus, says goodbye, especially Zim. Erevos talks Viren into killing people. Viravos fights off guards. They die. Mir- Moonstone path. Moonlight. Running out. Zim flies. Ezrin has a telepathic connection. And it's soul him. Okay. That's a lot happening. Like, when I was watching this episode, I... I, <laughs> I paused halfway through thinking that it was almost over. And I, and I realized there was still like half of the episode left. I was like, oh my goodness, there's just so much that goes down. I say that a lot, but you know, this episode specifically felt like there was there was a lot going down. Well, thank you for your patience as we uh, recap the episode. And now that we know what happened, it is time to dive into moments where we see boundaries happening. The, the top five moments of boundaries. So let's go. All right, my number one spot, not again, not in any particular order, but I guess my first question regarding boundaries is uh, regarding Ezrin and what we've seen between Claudia, Soren, Ezrin, Callum, these these two groups is that there's been a lot of a lot of history there. But in the most recent history, there's been a lot of betrayals and sleuthing and I'm, I'm really interested in Ezrin's capacity to trust Claudia here. And the, what I wrote down was, is Ezrin too trusting of Claudia? And, and apparently not. We learned, like, 
that she's not trying to capture him in this moment. And, you know, I'm not sure that I would have allowed myself to engage in this way. We like, we all know I'm not perfect here, but I just, I, I, I know that I have a tendency to, to shut myself out as described in my story. Right. And I want to protect myself and I don't feel judgmental of myself for that. It is something that I'm trying to discern when and how that is best for me. And I, what I really want is to talk to Ezra and figure out like, how did he know to trust Claudia here? Because I'm not, I don't know what the signs were. And I am, I'm curious if you're listening and you have thoughts on this because they turned out okay, right? They built their relationship and they were able to be vulnerable with one another. And Claudia ends up crying with Ezrin. And it's this really beautiful moment where we learn a lot about Claudia's mom, her relationship with Soren, and Ezrin cries. It's just this really touching moment between two people that that care about one another. And I, I'm just curious that what are the moments that I've missed out on in my life because I had erected a wall that I wasn't able to lean into something really that could have been special like this. And I'm, I'm curious when and how, uh, to discern that. And what are the signs that help us discern that? And I'm, I'm just kind of leaning into Ezrin's wisdom here and, and thinking about it because he is so trusting here. And I, I just, I really love it, and I'm 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 grateful for that, and I'm I'm thankful that I got to witness what it looks like when you aren't so fiercely guarding your 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 protection, and he is able to be vulnerable. Claudia is able to be vulnerable, and I think they both leave feeling better about themselves. So I think that's just something that I wanted to lift up as a moment of questioning this boundary that could have been there, but Ezrin chose to bypass. And so I'm, I'm thankful again for, for Ezrin here. Okay, uh, my, my next one is the idea of the body keeping the score. So in Callum's dream we or if if we can call it that it, his vision his dream his ex, his out of body experience or perhaps in body experience anyway sarai the has said that the mind has to catch up with the body that you have to in order to know something you need to know it with your mind body and spirit and i find that really interesting that there, there can't be a disconnect between those three things in order to, to truly grapple and know that we have to enmesh our experience with all three of these things rather than having them be in separate categories. And, I, you know, understanding the Sky Arcanum, it, as Callum describes it, is, is seeing how everything is connected. And it's, it's seeing a world without boundaries. And it's interesting because, like... Can, can we harness magic if we change our perspectives? If we, if we begin to see how humans are connected to the wind and the earth and the trees and, and fire and water, and how, how might we better be equipped to do magic in the world? And I, and I say that metaphorically, but, but also in, the, in kind of a mystical way of what magic can we do if we begin to see 
the connection between us all and between everything. I wonder what would be different if more of us lived into that connection. And I just think that's a really beautiful moment that once Callum realizes that one is all and all is one, to, to quote Full Metal Alchemist, that he's able to do, and he's able to harness the Sky Arcanum. And I think that's just really, really beautiful. So I, I started with that by saying the body keeps the score. And it, you know, the body has forced Callum into this state of you are experiencing like a lot here and I need you to grapple with that and your mind needs to catch up and your body needs to catch up and your spirit need to catch up to one another in order for you to be okay and it takes a toll on his body and you know it reminds me of of several moments uh one is in the Avatar The Last Airbender, when when Zuko makes a a paradigm-shifting choice to... He makes a good choice, right? That he gets sick. He goes into this, like, almost coma state where he just gets knocked out for two days, where he's sick, he's really struggling with flu-like symptoms, and then he gets up and he's a completely different person. And the body has this way of saying no more you need to grapple with this and i think that's something that happened here where the body has this boundary uh that forces us to make connections in our mind and in our our spirit until it's ready to say that we're caught up enough so i just i wanted to lift that up and see how you all thought of that okay My third is this idea that Claudia's uh, dark magic in this episode lifts up. And there's there's an ethical quandary that exists here. And I think many people, uh, if not most people, would agree that it would be worth killing a deer to restore someone's paralyzed body to having the capacity to move again. And I, I, I wonder... If that kind of magic, though, takes a toll on not not only the body, but the mind and the spirit, kind of uh, leaning off of the previous point, just because we can do something doesn't mean that we necessarily should, especially without knowing the full extent of the consequences. Like, we... What does it mean that Claudia's hair goes white? Does that mean that she is losing some of her own life force in this transition? Uh, it, what, like, what's going on? What is the sacrifice here? Because the sacrifices involved in dark magic aren't necessarily made clear to us, at least not yet. And, you know, at face value, the exchange of the life of a deer for the movement of a person who desperately would want that, I I think at face value is, for me, something that is well worth doing. However, we we are unsure as to the extent of the consequences, and I worry that often we make decisions based off of one value that we can see without considering the underlying consequences. Uh, You know, I, I think that 
we need to increase our awareness of the full breadth and scope of our decisions. And I'm not sure that we have all the information yet to decide if this is something that's worth doing. And so I, I, I guess I'm, I'm wondering if we need more boundaries around the use of dark magic to this extent. And I, what I'm, what I'm realizing is that we as viewers don't necessarily have a lot of information that helps us understand whether this is truly a bad thing or truly a good thing, which is interesting to think about. But that's something that I'm, I'm lifting up. That's my third third point. Okay, my fourth point is I want to discuss Viren's boundaries, which over the course of season one and season two now, we have seen Viren's boundaries like slowly deteriorate over time is kind of how I'm thinking about it. It seems like as we see the flashbacks, which are obviously told from Viren's perspective, so they may or may not be 100% accurate, but I, we see him having convictions and values that are, uh, on again, at face value, very, very good. Like he wants what's best for Catullus. He cares about its people. And with each thing that he suggests, he experiences pushback. And he is... In a way, he is like defeated every time, and I wonder if that's become grating for him over time. Where, with each loss, with each suggestion that becomes, you know, pushed back against, with Opelli, who is like no Viren, no Viren, no Viren, <laughs> like with all of these things, where he is constantly, you know, not winning his arguments he's always pushed back against i wonder if that has led to a a lack of boundaries where he is able to slowly being willing to venture further and further away from the the walls that had been protecting him and now he is no longer as protected by for instance this is how erevos gets in and you know I, i i that's just a question that i'm i'm lifting up i'm not sure that that's accurate or if you know other people see it that way but that's just something that i've i've seen and we and you know this is a really big turning point for viren where we see him take the lives of soldiers now this is an episode where he has committed murder (laughs) and sure it's in defense but he would never have been killed by these people if he hadn't put up a fight and so uh, the the morality of Viren at this point has crossed a line for me, and I'm I'm curious where all of you are. Where where is your boundary in terms of where, when did it cross? Like when when is the point of no return? And you know I, I hesitate to say that because there's there's always a possibility for redemption, but like your boy like straight up turned somebody to ashes and like turned the other one to stone and crushed them. So I don't know, man, this is, this is hard, but it, it seems like Viren's boundaries have been slowly deteriorating over time. And I'm wondering if his continual, his continual loss has contributed to that. That's, that's my, that's my pondering. And I'm curious if you have another thought, if you do send us a voicemail at the at gmail.com. I would love to hear your response by a voice memo that is, Ideally, two minutes or less. Okay, 
Uh, number five, my last one. I want to explore the boundary between Ezrin and Zim. So Ez's powers are, you know, either developing or they're, perhaps there's just a really special connection with Zim, but it seems like there's a lack of boundaries mentally where Ezrin literally can can see what Zim is seeing, and I'm wondering what has contributed to that. Is that purely uh, Ezrin's powers, or is that because Zim and Ez have such a powerful relationship and his powers? Is that a Zadian magic dragon kind of a deal? Uh, but what 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 are the things that contribute to this special connection? And if I were to kind of metaphorically paint this onto my experience, one of the things that I've learned about is a, a, a nerve called the vagus nerve, which is literally uh, the nerve that connects our brains to our hearts. And, you know, it's interesting because one of the things that I really appreciate about Barbara Fredrickson's work, who is a professor at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, she studies positive psychology and has talked about how when people start to, you know, become experience closeness with one another, that nerve begins to vibrate on a frequency closer to the other person that you are feeling close with. And when people feel truly close, what happens is the resonance, the frequency of that resonance becomes uh, in sync with the other person. So literally, the, these nerves are vibrating on the same frequency. And I find it really fascinating when we become close with one another that we can actually physically vibrate on the same frequency and essentially resonate with one another and I, I that kind of is what i'm sensing with with ezrin and zim here it feels really really neat to kind of be able to from afar and from a distance be able to experience and truly empathize with one another and i just i find it really beautiful that these two have that kind of a connection whatever may be contributing to it so those are my top five everyone i am i'm grateful for you entertaining my my ponderings and, and musings on this concept of boundaries so without further ado we're going to take a short uh, musical interlude and we'll come right back with our final two segments This is Ben Pruitt again, and I'm so excited that you're back for our final two segments of this episode. So for this episode, we're talking about our Lens MVP for Boundaries. Lens MVP is the one character who deserves an award for exhibiting the lens the best. And this time, that lens is Boundaries, and I am nominating 
Ezrin. And again, I already kind of went off on this and popped off earlier, but uh, I want to speak to a few moments that I think because Ezrin manages his vulnerability well enough that he was able to lean into his emotions and feelings with Callum when Callum wakes up and Ezrin returns. He's able to lean into his relationship with Claudia. And I think that ultimately Ezrin's capacity to know when and how to navigate how boundaries serve him is really, really beautiful. And so I'm nominating Ezrin because he's the bomb.com and I'd love to hear your nomination. If we hear a compelling one, I'll, I'll post it and we'll vote. Uh, and you can send those to us at the at gmail.com, or you can always tweet at us at BNB underscore pod. You can find us on really any of our social medias and send us our nomination, your nomination that way and give us a little explanation. That'd be great. Okay. So without uh, someone else to contribute, then I'm going to go ahead and move on to gratitude, gratitude time, because gratitude is a chance for us. If you recall to just be, to express our thanks to a character for some reason, whatever they may have said or done that has given us uh, a chance to reflect and potentially be a little bit better. And for my gratitude today, I really want to thank Rayla. Rayla is holding Callum and Callum is really struggling uh, physically and she is tapping into her feelings and she's about to, what I imagine is about to confess her love to Callum despite him not being able to hear it. And I have been this person where I care so much about someone, but as soon as they wake up, I'm like, I'm that's more vulnerable than I wanted to be right now. But, you know, I, I just, I really want to thank Rayla for showing us how human it is, ironically, to struggle with sharing things that are on our hearts that we genuinely want to share, that we genuinely care about. And I know that I'm not alone when I see her struggle with it, and so I'm, I'm grateful for Rayla. Okay, that's that's a wrap, folks. Once again, you can find us on social medias. Uh, you can join our Facebook group to talk about episodes. You can join us and support us on Patreon. You can thank us by uh, writing a review. That would be really sweet. But for now, I just want to thank all of you for, for listening, for supporting us in that way. Thank you to the Arc of E for hosting the podcast. Thanks to Alex Mayfield, Noah Blanchard, and Max Gongaware. I am grateful for all of you. And until next time, be well and do good. Mm-hmm.